Who enjoys jigsaw puzzles? Who's a jigsaw puzzle person? I know that lady there, Leanne Shanks. She's the master jigsaw puzzle person in our family. They're always fun, aren't they? Because uh, it's this puzzle, clearly, um, that takes time to draw together. And you need to understand where you're heading with a jigsaw puzzle to see the big picture. And then really it comes down to those last pieces, doesn't it? I, I guess when you get to the end, it's pretty easy. But I want to use this as a bit of an analogy with Christianity. Christianity is a jigsaw puzzle. It's hard to put together sometimes. But the last pieces that make sense of it are the pieces about the resurrection. This small church in Corinth, in Greece, has received a letter, 1 Corinthians, from the Apostle Paul. And we heard a big chunk of it read out at the end, chapter 15. And they're trying to put together the jigsaw puzzle pieces of Christian faith. And uh, if anyone's read the book, 1 Corinthians, the letter, they cover all sorts of ground. So if you want to go somewhere that is quite modern... Um, they deal with all sorts of aspects of sexuality, marriage, purity, freedom, self-expression, money. They deal with incest, discipline in the church, remarriage, singleness. Every issue you could imagine, this church, 1 Corinthians, the church of Corinth is dealing with it. And they're trying to put the puzzles of the jigsaw together, the pieces of the puzzle. And one of the big pieces you can't avoid is death. How do we understand death in this New faith we're part of, following this one who rose from the dead, Jesus. But what does it mean for us? How do we understand it? How do we teach people that come into faith in Christ? And so Paul gives us this, and it's like the top shelf spot you'll find in the Bible about what happens after death. We all know that. This is it. This is the spot you want to hang out here and go, wow, God, what I meant, am I meant to know to put the jigsaw puzzle together of my faith and the confidence that can come from knowing what happens through death because I'm in Christ? And the answer that we get in Corinthians about death is resurrection. That's the answer. Without it, we're stuffed, but with it, it's amazing. And I want to suggest three things that we get at least from Paul's chapter on the resurrection It's the essential victory piece of the gospel puzzle. It's the victory piece. It's the essential credibility piece. And it's the essential hope piece. The victory, credibility and hope. And I hope that makes sense as we work through it. So it's the essential victory piece of the gospel puzzle. Let me read to you from uh, chapter 15 verse 1 to 8. So a little bit before where Josiah was reading. Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel, you are saved if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you. Otherwise, you have believed in vain. For what I received, this is Paul talking, what I received, I passed on to you as first importance. That, and this is the most clear unpacking of the gospel really you'll find in the whole scriptures this is what he said i've passed on to you what is of first importance that christ died for our sins according to the scriptures that he was buried that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures that's the gospel he died for us and he rose again and that he appeared to cephas that's peter and then to the twelve after that he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time Everyone get that? 
appeared to 500 eyewitnesses. That's why it's really hard to um, deny the resurrection. There's heaps of people that were witnesses to it. 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living. Why does he write that? Because this is being written in the, the time where people could debunk it. Like if there's 500 witnesses and you hear this, you go, show me a witness. Obviously, you say, show me a witness. I'll take you to the witness. I was one. Here's another couple of hundred. This is pretty good stuff, isn't it? Like it, this why no one has been able to debunk the resurrection for 2,000 years because it's true. 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Don't miss that. What happens when you die? 1 Corinthians 15 says we fall asleep in the Lord. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all, he appeared to me also, Paul, as to one abnormally born. If Jesus didn't rise from the dead, death wins. Anyone against that statement? If Jesus didn't die, but rise from the dead, death wins. Have you noticed that death always wins? Death is the winner. You, you can have two nations go to war against each other. And at the end, one nation wins. And they come home and they cheer. But then at some point, you've got to count up how many people got killed in this battle. Oh, and then we start looking at the history going through from the victors. And that generation that won, they all die. Death always wins. You, you can flex your muscles and be a, a dictator or pick any era of history People like to flex their muscles and kill people. Take away life from others. Death tends to win. But Paul reminds us in this whole chapter that when Jesus walked the earth, he did some smack talking. He said, I'm going to take death down. Oh, that was, that's a big deal. I'm going to do what no one else has done. Death won't be able to hold me on the ground in the battle. I'm going to rise from the dead. And Paul says, that's what happened. Christ died for our sin. He lived a perfect life in our place. He gave his life as a ransom for us, as a fully satisfactory substitute for the punishment we all deserve. And then he rose from the grave. And then well, this is the key that First Corinthians says. He's the prototype. For us. Miraculously, his body was remade. The cells were brought back together in a renewed, improved way. Perishable turned into imperishable, mortal into immortality. This is what we are hoping for. And it's the victory piece because without it, we don't win. Christ did not win and we don't win. One of the challenges I think we have in, in the 21st century when we live in an absolutely individualistic age, hey, that's just, it's hard to not be that way. You can fall into the trap of thinking that your faith is based on primarily what God has done for you in here, what we might call a subjective reality. If you don't have a subjective experience of God's spirit, of Christianity, Good luck, you know, you need something in here. But if that's all you've got is my own testimony, 
what separates you as a Christian from this person who says, oh, well, I get the same from Buddha, or I get the same from a secular understanding of living. You know what I mean? Like, what the resurrection does is that it gives us something that is beyond our own experience, that is absolute bedrock, objective truth. Christianity stands on this rock. Martin Luther in 1521, when he opposed um, what he believed to be heresy in the Catholic Church, he said, here I stand, I can do no other. God help me. Amen. I just want to encourage you on this Easter Sunday night, the thing we stand on is the resurrection from the dead of Jesus Christ. You, you can't sort of go, oh, that's just another one of the truths of Christianity. No, it's the one. It's the one. If he doesn't conquer victoriously death, we don't either. But he did. And I want to encourage you to reflect on that as I have been. Do I really believe that with everything? God became a man and he rose from the dead. And because he did, I'm going to rise from the dead. And that will change every decision I make on this earth because this is not what I'm living for, even though it's very important. This life, this world I'm in, it's so important. But my destiny is to rise from the grave, a new creation with an imperishable body to live for the glory of Jesus forever. I don't know, I keep reflecting, I just, I just, don't, sometimes I just don't know if I really believe it. I do, I do, don't, 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 don't sack me or anything, but it's hard to keep believing it. This is the truth, Jesus rose from the grave. It's going to help us if you can believe it. Because these Corinthians, they're dealing with some of the issues that we deal with. The pressure from the world to conform. What's the pressure that you're feeling? To lie a little bit at work because that's what everyone does. You know, everyone just sort of shapes the truth. Um, social media we know is a, a sort of a form of lying. We all get used to it. It's appearance management. It's just shaping what people see from me. So it's sort of a little, little white lies. Or are you now, right now, experiencing the pressure of the world like... Um, you know the, the story of the frog that gets boiled in slowly? How do you f boil a frog if you're going to? You know, you boil it slowly. Don't just chuck it in boiling water straight away. It'll jump out. If you want to boil a frog, sorry, Steve, we're not going to boil any frogs. But <laughs> he loves his animals. Because Evan's not here. I think over you. But you cook this, the idea, the old stories, you cook the frog slowly in the boiling water. And before it knows, the, the, it can't jump out. It's, it's going numb. And our world's doing that to us sexually. It's just boiling us slowly. And so the Corinthian church was struggling with this stuff. Um, do I conform to what the world says is normal behavior for a human being? Do I chase after wealth and power? Do I treat people the way the world says? Or is there some way I can stand my ground because my faith is stronger than the tide? And I would say to you, if it's only subjective, a thought in here, like good luck. But if we lock ourselves onto this immovable rock that is Jesus Christ risen from the dead, there is a victory for us to get a hold of.
And it takes it takes time to allow that truth to to be get in our heart and mind so that I believe it. I'm going to stand in this victory. There's a victory over death. And I want to say to you in Jesus' name, there is the potential for victory over the power of sin, which comes from death. Amen? Because some of us go, I, yeah, maybe I could rise from the dead, but there's no way I could have defeat this sin that I struggle with. You can. You can. There is a victory available because the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead is in us. That's something for us to believe for and move towards by the grace of God. Victory. Resurrection is a victory piece in the gospel puzzle. It's also a credibility piece. Let me read from verse 12. If it is preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? If there's no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless and so is your faith. More than that, we are then found to be false witnesses about God, for we have testified about God that he raised Christ from the dead. But he did not raise him if, in fact, the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You're still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ we are to be pitied more than all others. I've been reflecting a lot about this lately, and it's interesting, you know, what we don't there's conjecture about what happens in the intermediate state. What happens? You die. You either sleep, you either sleep in the memory of God, in the good memory of God. I'm sort of tending to move that way, to be honest. Some people call it soul sleep, but I just think it makes the most sense. Or you go to an intermediate state, paradise, away from the body at home with the Lord. That's what Paul says. Um, I don't think this passage tends to sound like that. I think this passage tends to sound like we actually sleep and we will wake up into the resurrection. However you see that, I think what strikes me from this is um, if the old school idea where we didn't worry too much about resurrection, it was just like you die and your spirit like a ghost, spirit goes to be with God in heaven and the streets of gold, and you don't really worry about body and new earth. It's just all like this spiritual reality, you know, leaving this dirty body, and I'm, I'm a spirit with God. Paul is saying here, if that's all you've got in your faith, you're, you're a fool, because that's not enough. You hearing this? We can't lose the resurrection, our resurrection, with new bodies like Jesus' body on a new earth. You can't lose that and see yourself as a disembodied soul floating around somewhere. Like, that's not biblical. Amen? But it's hung around for years, that idea. And if it's not adjusted with Scripture, you'll wander through life and think, oh, well, this is spirit in me and it sort of goes somewhere. I don't really know. I just want to encourage you. Let's just be rock solid in this belief we are given in christ a new body and it matters because god never wanted to just do something for a soul that's separated from body he made us really special and whole and he gives us a new body just like jesus was given a new body paul says if there's no resurrection the whole story of the gospel loses credibility our preaching is useless. The apostles are liars. 
No resurrection, there's no adequate dealing with sin. We're still in our sin. I think even if you're in some spirit realm alone, he's saying it's not enough. And he says in verse 18, all the believers who have gone before are lost. There's no assurance of salvation. The big bully wins. So the credibility of our faith rests on the reality of the resurrection. I don't know if you've experienced this yet. Um, might be some of the older people can reflect in their life. But good mates of mine that we ministered together, one of the key reasons they ended up jumping ship, and like jumping ship's real, isn't it? Well, it's happening right now, all the time. People go, hey, I'm, I'm checking out of this faith thing. The ones that I've known that have had the strongest faith, they jump ship because they stop believing he rose from the dead. Like this, when you lose this, this is a credibility loser. And that's what should happen. That's what should happen. If our faith is based in what the Bible teaches, the clincher is, did he rise from the dead or not? Not am I feeling him. Like that's one way, but I would say to you, if you stop following Jesus because you stop feeling him, you never got it. I'm sorry, but you never got it in the first place. Christianity is based on this, one thing. Did Jesus die for our sin and rise from the grave, the only one? Did he rise from the grave? That's the thing. And Paul has the um, insight to say, if he doesn't rise from the grave, it's all pointless. I find that really weird. Um, it, it's, it's like it's, it's not credible, Paul says, to follow the ways of this guru teacher if he didn't rise from the grave and we don't rise from the grave. Think about that. As good Christians, would you follow the ways of Jesus anyway and be a good moral person? I would. I've argued plenty of times. I'd just follow him anyway. Don't you reckon? Anyone with me? It's a good life. Jesus gives the good life. It's weird, isn't it? The Paul goes, that's not enough. Are you with me? Like that? I'm thinking the way Jesus teaches, if he's just a guru, I'd sign up for that. <laughs> Serve others, give away your life, die a little, deliver a lot. Yeah, makes sense. It's a ring of truth about it. Paul says, yeah, you're living in a different era to me, mate. I'm getting beaten senseless for this stuff. I'm, I'm getting persecuted so hardcore, you can have this goody-two-shoes life. You know what I mean? So the question to us is, have we embraced the reality of being a Christian enough to walk a path that looks cross-shaped and involves some persecution for our faith? Or is everything rosy for us? There's just a question there. He says the credibility of Christianity is based on the resurrection. I feel like the credibility of, of credibility of Christianity is more based on does it work? Do I feel good when I follow it? I'm just putting it out there. Like I think there's a there's a juxtaposition of cultures in different eras going on here. For us, it's like as long as it works for me now, I'm happy. It's not what Scripture says. So, question. Let it hang around in your head in life. And are we living lives that are so committed to 
the reality of the resurrection that if it's not true, we feel ripped off? That's what I'm asking you. Or are you just, and I, we're just like, I just hold them back, just hold them back. I won't lose out too much. It's the essential hope piece also in this gospel puzzle. Hope. How are the dead raised? With what kind of body will they come? How foolish. What you sow doesn't come to life unless it dies. When you sow, you didn't plant the body that will be just a seed. And that's the passage. I'm not going to read it again, but that's what Josiah read out. And uh, verse 42 says, um, It will be with the resurrection of the dead. The body that is sown is perishable. It's raised imperishable. It's sown in dishonor. It's raised in glory. It's sown in weakness. It's raised in power. It's sown a natural body. It's raised a spiritual body. There's a natural body. There's also a spiritual body. Hope's the most powerful emotion you can find. It's my understanding of it. guy I spoke to who was a prisoner of war said, yeah, that's the most important thing when you're in Starlag 13, in a prisoner of war camp for four years. If you don't have hope, you die really quick. So hope is, a, is an emo- enormously powerful uh, thing to help us go through the tough stuff. And Paul is writing to a group of people in Corinth who haven't yet experienced what a lot of the Christians have been through. Some of the Christians have been torn apart by wild animals. They haven't in Corinth yet. So he's sort of priming them to know that there could be some suffering coming and you need to know where your hope is going to be found. So the question, he says, how do we get this new body? Well, we need to die first. The seed is planted in the ground and then miraculously it comes to life. So for us, if we just take what the teaching is telling us, so we're going to die in Christ with an old, broken down, degenerated body. And at some stage, either we go to paradise and we're conscious or we wake up with the trumpet sound into the resurrection and those who have faith in Christ are given brand new bodies. Does it look like the one you've got now? Sorry, Elizabeth, it's going to look pretty similar. (laughs) How do we know that? We've talked about this before. Because Jesus is our model, right? Jesus is our model. Did they, un- did, they, did they know what Jesus looked like? Yeah, of course they did. I mean, it's Jesus. Did he have holes in his hand? Yeah, he did. In his side? Yeah, he did. I'm not sure that means we're going to all have our scars. Who knows? But we'll have beautiful, redeemed bodies. But I, I think that's an amazing piece for us to accept who we are when we look in the mirror. We were amazingly formed by the hand of God in our mother's womb. Really, that's what the Bible says. And when we die and are, and are raised again by faith in Christ, we're going to look something like we look, and that's okay. But we're going to be perfect. What happens for people who um, have been uh, cremated? What's God going to do? Well, the answer is, how did he make the first Adam? He's really good with dust. <laughs> he's really good with dust. Like, he can, he can make it happen. He's going to 
pull together a new body that will be us. And it's so important. It's not reincarnation. You don't turn up with wings. You don't turn up in some different person's body. That's reincarnation. You get you. In Christ, you are going to live forever. Hallelujah. That's amazing. It's just amazing. We get to live forever with this new body. And yet we're told very clearly that the body that's been sown is perishable and it's weak. It's weak. Have you ever stopped to consider how much of our economy revolves around the truth of this chapter? Doesn't every medical field exist because of the fall of man? Because of broken bodies? Degrading, breaking down, sown in weakness, perishable bodies. Every therapist gets their paycheck bouncing out of the fact that we're broken. Isn't that true? Every plastic surgeon, every beauty therapist, every chemist, every personal fitness trainer. It's because our bodies take so much work. The wheelchair manufacturers, the prosthesis producers, we're sown perishable. And we're sown in dishonour. Anyone make an argument against bodies sown in dishonour? Anyone notice their body is dishonourable? Anyone want to give a testimony of the dishonour of your body? (laughs) I will. And it's a funny thing, isn't it? Because the Spirit of God is, is like, honestly, let's just be frank with one another. For God to inhabit us, that is humility right there. Amen? Like, if he, I don't know how he does it, but if he's hanging around with us all the time, not just like when we've finished putting on our faces, like we're getting all ready. He's like, I was with you before. I was with you in everything. When I first met Leanne, we just started going, I'm talking about dishonourable bodies. We are both teenagers at the time and we were around it at my friend's house who was Leanne's cousin. And they had this really old dog named Trixie. And so we are all there in the lounge room and um, anyway, Trixie was sitting under the couch and we were all watching TV. I think we just started, literally just started going out. So Leanne's like 16 at the time. And I... You know, I'm talking to the men here because I know women don't do this at all. But the men, sometimes we have wind. Sometimes we have a movement in our, in our bodies, this dishonourable body that, that is a <laughs> it requires some just nitrogenous release. And so the, the, um, I, I thought, look, I, if I can be silent in this, no one's going to hear it, and and maybe like there's a lucky, there's a chance. I just roll the dice. I've got to let this go. You're silent, like it's a big risk, isn't it? Because silent could be terrible. Silent could be just insipid. I mean, another word. Uh, it's not going to do much so anyway. So I, I I just let this go, and I thought I think I've got away with it. And then of course the true glory of my dishonour was just released and manifest in the room. Everyone's just going. <laughs> And Leanne, bless her heart, she, she, she did not know. She didn't know. She would have known now, 30 years on. But 
She said, Trixie, you dirty dog, get out. And of course, I jumped on the bed and I said, you evil beast, get out of here, Trixie. Which what you do, if you've got a dog around, you can always blame it. But the funniest thing was actually, it honestly took me about 10 years to own up. <laughs> and Leanne the still did have a little... It is the truth. Our bodies are like genuinely dishonourable, perishable. I'm, I'm sort of making a point to say it's a really amazing thing to think the effects of sin on our bodies gets transformed through faith in Christ and through death. Not many of us want to be go to death like it's we're all a bit you know, whoa, we don't want to talk about it, we want to go there. But if you're in Christ and you die, it for the person that dies, it's only good, amen? It's only good. Like in his presence is fullness of joy. Um, what that looks like, we don't quite know. I think that I think the strongest thing in Scripture is it's a good sleep and we'll r- wake up into the resurrection. This is what... Um, The Apostle Paul says in verse 50, I declare to you, brothers and sisters, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Listen, I tell you a mystery. We'll not all sleep, but we'll all be changed. In a flash, in a twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable and will be changed, for the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality. I will put it to you, you do not have an immortal soul, even though theology will tell you it. That is telling me right there. Immortality is the gift of God through faith in Christ. A raised, resurrected body from the dead, you get to live forever. And if you don't get that gift, you won't. Because sin kills people. But anyway, we're given immortal flesh. When the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Hallelujah. Hey, look, isn't that just the most amazing moment to look forward to? Death that always wins. Death that's the bully. Death is like, you can't take me on. God through Christ is saying, no, I'm going to defeat what sin produced. Death. Death has been swallowed up in victory. What an amazing day that will be for those that in this life have suffered with a body that was pretty hard to deal with. Like, isn't that just the most amazing thought? To be released from the limitations of this life in an instance, not as an evolutionary process. Not through medicine. Might be next year. It could be in a thousand years. We don't know. But it's going to be at the command of God. Jesus Christ will return to the earth. And the whole place is going to get transformed. I am not unaware that this sounds like gobbledygook. If you're just getting a bit tired tonight, right now. What I'm saying is... These are the most important words you'll ever hear in your life. They are. That what we do in this world is affecting eternity. And we have to get that right. We have to live in the grace of Jesus so that we get, as Ephesians says, sealed by the Holy Spirit. So when we rest in the dust, 
the Spirit of God at the end will see, oh, like the blood on the doorpost. They have been sealed in the Holy Spirit, new body to eternal life for them. Sealed with a guarantee of our inheritance on that day, the day of judgment. That's what our faith is in. We have to be marinated in this stuff, guys. If you don't read your Bible, if you never come back and read this, you will be just swamped by the world that says, no, nah, this stuff isn't true. But it is true. The devil wants to kill, steal and destroy and lead us astray. Remember, Paul said, I'm so uh, I'm scared that you have been deceived as Eve was by the cunning of the evil one. Don't get deceived to think that there's not a reckoning, that, that this stuff's not real. It is. We have to live with this right here in front of our eyes in all the decisions that we make. Where, O oh death, is your victory, Paul says. Where, O oh death, is your sting? What is the sting? The sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory. How? Through our Lord Jesus Christ. It's in Christ language. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Can you see how this comes together? Like if it's credible and it's victorious and hope-filled, we can stand on it and give it our all and not have any doubt, I might look like a fool at the end. I might look like a fool. Well, that's the question you've got to decide and I've got to decide because Christ is asking us to put it all on the line and lean in. Give it all. Immovable by the grace of God. Victory, credibility, hope. I was a youth pastor at Chester Hill years ago and um, we had this song that we used to do as like a call and response and it was great. They learnt this so well. I won't do it now but you go, you say it after me. Therefore my... Dear brothers, you do it like you're walking in a soldier's thing, you know. Someone lead us, you know what I mean? Therefore, my dear brothers, stand firm, let nothing move you. Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord, for you know. That your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Let's pray. The band's going to come up and we're going to worship the Lord together. Lord God, we give you all the worship that that is the truth. We can stand firm as brothers and sisters in the reality of the resurrection. Gives us credibility, gives us hope, gives us victory and it's all found in christ lord jesus may you do a work that is special in the hearts of your people here tonight we ask we're open would you fill us anew with your holy spirit lead us on call us upwards and outwards help us to to look inward 
Oh, would you put a smile on our face, a joy unspeakable, for we are receiving the goal of our faith, the salvation of our souls with a hope of a completely new body on a new earth to the glory of Jesus. Let's sing together.